When we can leave our ego out of the way and try to view it from a deeply compassionate soul perspective, we understand all the things that we've learned. We don't get angry at ourselves for doing what the ego would think was really stupid stuff. It's because we don't get, there is no help, guys. There is no help. We do our life review when we cross over, but then it's done. You'll step back and you'll learn from it and accept that it's one life, one learning, part of hundreds that your soul has done. Welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. This podcast is meant to encourage you to connect within so you can share your light with the world. And now, here's your host, Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Welcome, cosmic beings, mystical beings, to the Cosmic Love Antenna. Here, as always, with another episode for you, straight off the spiritual press to dive deeper into the layers restricting health, alignment, and love. This is your weekly inner expression towards your outer expression, where we and me, me, mostly here holding the container, getting to be an expression of the beautiful guest that I get to have on have a have a discussion with and today is no no you know exception to that i have a beautiful soul that i want to introduce here for you here in a second but before i get to her magic her power her mystique i want to remind you that if you're out there in the podcast world and you're tuning in for the first time welcome to the show it's lovely to have you if you're a regular listener remember that the way you can support the show is sharing this out to all of your friends family members and lovers that you feel can expand from the chat that we have today you can leave your reviews on apple and spotify and remember now if you see the show notes you can join the cosmic love antenna facebook group and join this tribe and family the powerful woman that i have on the show today to discuss some interesting topics is the powerful Colby Midlight. She is a tarot master. She is a certified tarot master, a psychic medium, a past life specialist, a channel, and just to be honest, a very powerful, beautiful woman. What we're going to do today is talk about all things tarot, all things karma, all things past life, how they connect together, how they make magic and help us see more of what we are. Corby, welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for asking me. Oh, I'm so excited, my friend. I was, we were just chatting. And um, ever since we got to have a quick chat a couple of weeks ago, uh, I've been just really looking forward to this deep dive on my heart. So I guess really a good place to start where I start with everyone is I've had the chance to tune into your energy, but for people listening, they are new to your beautiful voice. And I think a good foundation is spending a little bit of time going back a little bit to you know who you are why you're here and i think a way that we can encapsulate this is what has been the biggest pain teacher in your life my friend what has been and many of us have many but what is if you had to name one experience that has allowed you to be the beautiful soul that you are in this moment doing the work that you're doing what comes up learning to live the examined life I think is part of it. I have done the cancer dance three times. Now notice I do not say I fought cancer because what you fight fights back. And I am not a cancer survivor because I do a lot more than hang on by teeth and toenails. A cancer dancer finds out how graceful they can be under pressure. 
avoids getting their toes stepped on and gets off the dance floor in one piece. But it's not easy. So the idea about the examined life is there's something, I don't want this to happen, but it's going to happen. You can't stop it. So for me, the first thing is you must figure out what's the lesson here for me. As a teacher, my next question is, how can I teach with it? And then next, don't say stay stuck in the story. Use what you can from it, but then move on. Question with that. That, mm-hmm. um, that understanding of how the things, all things in life, but especially the painful things are happening for us, not to us. Was that an awareness that began early or did that come after the first experience? And I asked that because we're going to talk about past lives today. Did you have a activation of this early on or did this still come as a point of, oh, I've got it now. I, now I can keep moving forward with it. Um, I think that the work I did with Robert Schwartz uh, on pre-birth planning really opened me up to the ideas because I know that the cancer was brought into my life based on my pre-birth planning. My karmic lesson was understanding that a woman's body is not a bargaining chip, that women are equal to men, because most of my past lives, I'd say 80-20, most of them have been male, and I haven't been, well, I certainly wasn't an Alan Alan Alda type in any of them, let's put it that way. Um, So in order to learn what I needed to learn this lifetime, I came in and my build from puberty was basically Dolly Parton with brunette hair. And because of the dynamics in the family and my mother's dysfunction, I figured that what I looked like was all I was worth. I could not say no to anybody. Whatever anybody wanted with me, I had to say yes for. And so for me, the body was transactional. So the first bout of breast cancer was in 1989, in my mid-30s, when I was acting in New York for lumpectomies and radiation. Second bout was in my... uh, early 40s, skin cancer from the radiation they did. I finally married the right guy in 2002, but apparently hadn't learned enough because in 2004, I had a second primary. But the doctors in Massachusetts said, three strikes, you're out. We're taking the rack. We're taking the ovaries to cut your hormones. And you're going from that gorgeous Dolly Parton figure to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects in three weeks. Suck it up. There's nothing you can do. Now, that's where the examined life comes in. And people actually do laugh when I explain it. Did I go home and cry for 24 hours? Yes. But then I knew my examined life rule. I had to find three reasons to be okay with it. So rule number one, you don't have them. You can't get cancer there. Number two, let us just say they don't get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's for examinations once a year. And every woman listening knows what I'm talking about. Three, Implants means I'll be perky till I'm 93. Okay. So that was in 2004. It's 2022. I'm 18 years clean. This is what I look like at 67. But what this has done for me is it's made me a deeply compassionate person because I've had to walk through that fire. 
people that, as I say, are size two blondes with a trust fund, they don't know what the average person has to go through. Their level of compassion is not there. So this is what made me the reader and the counselor I am today. Yeah. I love it, my friend. And I think it's a beautiful exploration and it really shows I love how you landed with compassion and I'm closing my eyes now. And I can see, I can see your shape and your, and your image, but I can only see light coming around it. So I think it's a very good indicator of this powerful compassion aspect that we all have the opportunity to lean into. Right. And it can, obviously the, the opportunities can come in a lot of the painful experiences, but I guess the message I want to add on to what you're beautifully highlighting is that why wait, right? Why wait for those experiences to lean to this beautiful compassion? I want to, go back to something that you said and you talked about pre-birth planning and I've gone into this a little bit in in previous shows, the life between lives. A lot of the Michael Newton Institute, for example, talks about this, how just out of interest for people listening, when you say pre-birth planning, is this something that you've accessed in past lives and regressions? Is this something that, how have you, access this this realm of understanding <clears throat> it was the work that i did with robert schwartz he explains that karma is five things it's not carrot and stick it's unbalanced energy which is a neutral healing service contrast and healing beliefs when you are open to say it's not bad karma it's not that god doesn't love me what's the lesson then you can absorb that um, one of the favorite examples I have of how to teach people about that is I use Ryan White, the kid in the late 80s, early 90s, who got AIDS when it was very, very new. Nobody really understood it. He got it from a blood transfusion, but his family was made pariahs. They were treated horribly. Now, on the other side of the world was Elton John, who was doing drugs, sex, rock and roll, the whole thing, really driving himself into the ground. But he met Ryan, who was very moved by his own courage. So he became very close to the family. When Ryan died, he played at Ryan's funeral. Ryan inspired him to get clean and sober, which he has been for over 30 years. And he started the Elton John AIDS Foundation, which has raised over half a billion dollars for HIV and AIDS research worldwide. My understanding is that the soul of Ryan White said, Tough life, short life, but look at what the result can be. So his karma was a karma of service. Yeah. And that planning stage, I'm not sure about the work that you've done with that mentor, but from my understanding, my experience, my perspective, a lot of us in between our past lives, in between so the, last, the last life that I had and this life now, <clears throat> We can plan that. We can prepare for that. We can say, okay, this, like you said, this is going to be a life of service. I'm going to have this partner. I'm going to have this family, this mom, this dad, this interaction. And it's going to allow me to bring balance back to that karma based off life decisions. Is that a good analysis of it? That's perfect. Yeah. And then people say, but what about free will? And I yeah. laugh. Say, fine. You're going to college. You have decided to major in physics. So, that's your pre-birth plan. Whether you get that degree taking gut courses or double major plus lab, that's your free will. 
No matter what you do, you will learn and you will graduate with that degree. You will have that pre-birth planning information that you are bringing, you the personality are bringing back to the soul, whether you make it easy on yourself or not. And correct me if I'm wrong, Corby, because this is also my understanding. I love how we're going straight into, this is flowing beautifully. We're going to come back to tarot in a second here. But um, correct, my understanding is within the free will, even if we don't make the, I'm using, using my fingers here, correct choice, it'll come back around in the next life, correct? Like it'll keep coming, it'll show up as opportunities in future lives. If we, if we need to, yes. Yeah. Uh, now you take a look at my life. I had an incident at 16, which you don't need the details, but that woke me up to making the decision. Either I could stay virginal until I was married, marry, never divorce. That would have been one thing. But instead, I heard the horrific things that my alcoholic mother told me and thought, she must know something about I, me that I don't. And so I then proceeded for the next 30 years to prove her horrifying, disparaging, disgusting remarks about me as true. Because I thought that's who I was supposed to be. Now, made a lot of mistakes, but I have learned. And so the life will be successful. It's just a matter of, when. you know, how tough you want the road to be. Yeah. I love it. Uh, for everyone that's tuning in, I hope you're getting a really good understanding now of, you know, when I think about past lives, it really fills my heart because it, it shows, you know, we were just talking before we had this chat about everything happening in the world at the moment, especially in the U S and this sort of zooming out, what this allows us to do is if I speak for myself, it helps me shift out of the victim mindset and helps me come back into the bigger picture to see what is going on so I can step back into my power to make decisions from a space of potential rather than a space of, oh, I'm restriction, this is happening, or oh, this is happening to me. Wait, is it? Or is there something else happening here? Uh, Kobe, I want to shift gears a little bit to back to the tarot because I want to, we've just been hitting on karma, a bit of past lives. And now I want to bring in the tarot aspect because I know this is another area that you're brilliant and, and insightful and have a lot of experience in. So let's maybe start simple. For people new to the tarot, what is it and why is it important within this conversation? Tarot is the tool that most people know. I started reading when I was 18 in 1973. I was working at a store called Spencer Gibbs and they had the James Bond 007 tarot deck. That was the year Live and Let Die came out and I bought it because we were all hippies then. We had our bell bottoms and our fringe jacket and our deck. Now, five years later, everybody else had moved on to roller skates and disco balls, but I adored the stories that the cards told. So I stuck with it for decades, learning the meanings, learning the allegory, learning how to look deeply into the cards. And one of the reasons I think that my clients feel very safe with me using tarot is because I do explain the situations and the allegory in ways that will not frighten them. For instance, there are three cards that I say weird out rookies, death, the devil, and the tower. So let's look at those. First, we're looking at the devil card. It is not Mr. Horns in the tail. It is being constantly bedeviled, 
by something, someone, or some situation for holding yourself back from your highest and best. When someone understands it isn't really the devil, they are not likely to be caught by one of the fake gypsies trying to sell them a $600 curse-breaking candle, okay? The next card is the tower card. And the tower card shows doom and gloom and destruction and people are falling off a burning tower. And I explained that I want them to think of it as an imploding sports stadium, okay? So um, since this is probably listened to by a lot of non-Americans, I will use soccer, football, as football, football. So let's say Watford wants to build a new stadium. They have to blow up the old one to clear the ground. So when that card comes up, I explain that, yes, there are going to be some things that you need to shift and change, and there will be some loss. But instead of gripping and wailing and panicking, learn to hold on to everything in your life lightly. Where do you really need to change? If you know that you've been overextended on the credit cards, how can you begin to bring that down? Don't wait until you're homeless. And the other card is the death card, which I explained to people does not mean they're going to be hit by a bus on Tuesday. It is death of an old way of life, death of what they've outgrown and was never them in the first place, death of what must leave. And what doesn't change does die. So if you've been stuck in a situation, it could be that that is the part of you that simply doesn't grow anymore and you have to let go of it. When people hear that, they're not scared of the cards. And then we work with them so that they can see how to fit that into their lives. That's why, yes, I'm a psychic medium, but a lot of people are more comfortable calling me an intuitive counselor. Yeah. So I thank you for that breakdown, Colby. And I, I was, again, getting a lot of visuals in my, in my third eye as you were sharing this. You know, in my in my experience with the tarot, and I, you know, don't use it to the extent that you use it, but it's interesting as you're explaining that. I think a lot of us come to these, whether it's an oracle spread or a tarot spread, we come to it with a lot of preconceived stories, preconceived <laughs> uh, beliefs, right? Uh, especially if let's just use the example of let's say I grew up in a religious household, which I did, and that that devil card came up. There's going to be a lot of but both conscious belief systems and ancestral unconscious belief systems that are projecting onto the card, even before someone starts to tell me the reading. So it, right. I guess, and you explained that a little bit, Corby, but maybe go dive into a little bit more here. When someone comes to see you and they maybe want to learn, learn more about their past lives or their karma and you're, and you're showing up with the tarot tool, how do you help them? you know, move through these belief systems that are projecting onto the cards themselves? Well, to be very honest, I don't use tarot that much when I do past lives because I am able to do the channel. The key is when someone comes to me, I don't, and they just say, I want to know about my past lives. I go, no, because it's treating it like a, you know, a carnival act. If you're from Des Moines and all of a sudden I tell you you used to be Napoleon Bonaparte, do you think you're really going to still want to be a janitor at the middle school? So if you come to me with an obsession, 
agoraphobia, a place you don't understand why you're so attached or repulsed, or a specific situation, then I can help you. Here are two examples. A woman came to me and said, I'm really worried about my son. He's 29. He won't make any important decisions without my input. He won't live more than a mile from me. What is going on? I got quiet. I went into trance. I went, as I said, upstairs and immediately got the vision. I said, this is Utah Beach, 1944 D-Day. I see your son as a soldier. His leg is pretty mangled from shrapnel. You were his commanding officer. You drag him over a dune to safety. You take some shrapnel yourself, but you both live. I opened my eyes and she says, can you tell me what my rank was? I said, yes, you were a sergeant. She says, he's called me Sarge since he was three years old and we never knew why. Knowing that she can bring that information back to her son and say, that was then, this is now. You have the ability to run your own life. You won't be shrapneled, if you will. There was a woman from the Midwest that was fascinated by the Civil War, the American Civil War. No connection with her family whatsoever. Um, she asked me, was there a past life? Again, quiet went upstairs. I said, all right, I'm seeing a whitewashed room with a very low ceiling. There are two tall gentlemen who were bent over because they're too tall to stand in the room without that. You are kneeling by a bed. It looks like your clothing is about 1862. It's charcoal gray serge with um, soutache braid around the peplum and the sleeves. And there's a rickety iron bed. And in the bed, there is a little old black woman, very old, very wrinkled, and she's dying. And all of you are grieving because she had come up from a Mississippi plantation and was almost to the end of her part of the Underground Railroad, but she was going to die before she made it. Mm. And I opened my eyes and the woman in front of me is sobbing. And she says, I've had that exact dream for 20 years and I didn't know what that was. Mm. That's when past lives are useful. Yeah. Not just for someone to come to me and say, I must have been Anne Boleyn because I can't wear turtle necks. Yeah. It, it brings up, so <laughs> I love those images. And, you know, I experience this too in people, you know, I say this with so much love and I say this as someone that often finds himself in it. We get so excited about these kinds of topics right and we're like oh let's let's learn the thing let's go back and travel and you know i would i would even take it further to when we start talking about star seeds and 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 galactic things it's the same sort of thing that occurs is that i just want to talk about it, i want to be it, i want to know just for the sake of knowing and that's it's you know it's okay if you're in that that's beautiful however i think the deeper thing to ask is why right that's where the healing occurs right and that crying that you just talked about with that client that you experienced that's how we know right and i would really encourage as we go further into this chat, as you're listening, beautiful listeners, don't just listen. And I maybe want to get your, your perspective on this, my friend. Don't just listen with your thinking mind, right? A lot of our subconscious and unconscious pains and traumas from the past, you know, that they live in our body, right? And those releases that you just talked about with the crying and whether it be through the tarot or past lives or they often come up as a remembrance through the body itself rather than through the thinking ego mind. So I'm wondering one, what are your thoughts on this, my friend? And two, what do you think is the power of 
when we go into these sort of discussions, being mindful of that ego and that thinking mind really distracting us from what needs to be released. Realize that our ego is a construct to help us get through this life. Um, for this, I'm going to talk about soul versus incarnations for a minute. And I'll use the example of the actor, Matt Smith. Now, Matt Smith was the 11th Doctor Who. He was my doctor, the crazy best friend with the bow tie and the suspenders and the two short pants. But when Matt was done playing the doctor, he turned around and he was then Prince Philip for the first two seasons of The Crown, you know, as in Philip Mountbatten. Now, these are two wildly different characters, but they were played by the same person. So I tell people, see Matt Smith, the actor, as the soul and the two parts he played like incarnations. That's why when a Bible thumper comes to me and says, well, God says we only live once. I go, you're right. Because while the soul incarnates time and time and time again, Harrison, Corby, we're one and done. This recipe yeah. will never come down here again. Yeah. So That's the ego, plot, right? And the ego is what helps us learn what we have to learn down here. But it can get in the way. When we are listening to these past lives or a reading that we have, try to view it like you are a 50-foot deity on a mountain overlooking a village. You see the births and the deaths and the alliances and the squabbles. You're not in the middle experiencing at all. You get the overall picture. When we can leave our ego out of the way and try to view it from a deeply compassionate soul perspective, we understand all the things that we've learned. We don't get angry at ourselves for doing what the ego would think was really stupid stuff. It's because we don't get, there is no help, guys. There is no help. We do our life review when we cross over, but then it's done. Yeah. That, um, that sentence in itself, I think, can trigger a lot of people. The, Wait, there is no there, there, well, there's a few of them but the last one there the, there is no there is no hell and uh, i've done a couple episodes now with some beautiful souls talking about uh sensuality sexuality you know the catholic christian church and and you know it's not just a christian catholic thing it's a religious thing in general you know and and let me be clear with my words I wouldn't even say it's a religious thing. It's a man-made aspect on top of the beautiful mystical religious elements. But that image of the, the, the deity looking over the village, what it allows us to do is become the witness, right? I'm sure that's probably why that you shared that image like that. It helps us to detach, to see, again, this theme of the bigger picture here. I, Corby, you're very good at images. You're very good at these, these explanations in these in these story forms or the, in these characteristic forms, I guess the question that comes up from that, is this a link? And I know you said you don't do much of the tarot and the past life together, but I'm getting a lot of these images through the tarot projecting onto this kind of work. Would you say that there is a link here from that? I always tell people you can do what I do. I'm not special. I'm not one of those psychics who thinks her aura don't stink. So 
I know that if people want to figure out a past life, I wanted to give them a tool to do that. And for that, I have designed a tarot spread and I've run it with a few people and it oh, really does it. work. Can you go into that, so, my friend? I'd love to hear about oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what does that mean? Just for people that are new, what, what's a tarot spread? Okay. A tarot spread is choosing a certain number of cards and putting them down with certain placements and certain meanings. Okay. Um, so the past life spread that I recommend for people is 10 cards. The first one is what challenge connects the two lives, the past life you're going to look at and this one. What were your life circumstances then? What was your age at the point that we are seeing? What's the gender? What were your characteristics? How long ago was this? What characteristics should you look for to recognize a person in your life now who was most influential then? How can the two of you work together this time? What is the single new personality aspect that you brought in this time that will help with the challenge? And what is the most important thing to clear in this life challenge now? That is not just, yeah, you were a gypsy in 19th century Hungary, that it gives you an idea. So, and each of the positions has certain cards assigned. For instance, in that first one, what challenges connects the two lives? In that position, each suit plus the major arcana have been assigned specific meanings. The major cards, unbalanced energy, wands, service, cups, healing, swords, contrast, and pentacles, healing of beliefs. So, and it's, it's not a matter of, well, what if I accidentally choose? There's no accidentally choose. One of the things that I tell people to do, you shuffle the cards, you spread them out, put out one hand to catch the energy, close your hand, your, your eyes, and let the hand drift over the cards, each one. You will find whether you think you do it or not, that the hand will drift down and touch a particular card, and you will not plan to do that. And that's your guides, your own soul saying, this card, this card, this card, they will explain. Mm, I love that. I might have to, I love, so a few things. One, I love the hand coming up to receive as you connect in. That's a really, uh, I haven't heard that before in terms of connecting in and into you know, your channel and opening your channel and receiving guidance. I, I haven't shared this with you, my, my friend, but, and I've shared this on the podcast a few times, so I'll be quick with it. But at the moment uh, I'm in a mystery school and I'm, and the mystery school is, uh, the theme of it is open to channel. <laughs> so I'm opening my light pillar at the moment to expand my channeling abilities. And so it's nice to hear that, uh, that technique in itself. And I might have to start uh, implementing it. The, the question that arises with that spread and as, as someone is receiving, I'm wondering, have you had experience of not just people receiving knowledge about past lives when you do something like that, but you said it before and I, I really resonate. We all have this power inside of us. Have you noticed that this has opened other people's abilities around 
whether it's connecting to a past life, whether it's connecting into their spiritual gifts, their ability to channel, what have you noticed when you've shared your gifts in this way with people? If they're ready, they'll do it. This is not to say when the student is ready, the teacher appears. That's, <laughs> you know, all mark gift card stuff. But when they see I'm not frightening, I am not a Madam Hoo-Ha or a Swami Swalanda or a fake gypsy. I'm not trying to present myself as being, you know, wiki wooier than thou, is what I call it. Then they realize when I say you can do what I do, I mean it. And if there's any part of them that really wants to learn this, they come in. Otherwise, it's, yeah, well, that's really neat. But, and you know, live and be well. Maybe they're just not ready for it. It's not mine to judge. That uh, fills me with a lot of trust. It fills me with a lot of patience and compassion for ourselves. I think a symptom of the world at the moment is that we're all trying to one, we're trying to go, go, go all the time. And we're all trying to, we're reaching towards this, this state of enoughness. We're trying to be something like when I get the ability, when I get the skill, when I get the, when I'm able to do the tarot or connect to my past life, then I'll be good. Then I'll be healed. Then I'll be, get to that type. But I think in that action, we forget our enoughness, right? We forget our worthiness. We forget our, you know, our divinity in many ways. And I think that well, I don't think I know that is actually the space where those gifts come from. So when you say when their time is ready, I think a big part of that is them realizing, oh, I've been ready this whole time. <laughs> Does that resonate? And stop being afraid you'll get it wrong. Yeah. You, I mean, even the best psychic is only 85% accurate. The only one 100% accurate is God, and God is not doing a booth at your local psychic here. <laughs> but the more you put your ego aside, the more likely you are to be accurate. Mm. Because you will not double think or judge what's coming out of your mouth. Yeah. And when we talk about channeling, right, we, we want to channel, you know, the purest sort of source through us and share it into the physical manifestation. If our ego is the expression that we're channeling it through, then it's not going to be the most divine of source, right? We're sort of channeling it through our shit, which is often in that ego space, right? The beliefs, yes, yes. the trauma, the challenges. Um, mm -hmm. Corby, I want to go back here to a question that's bubbling up in me and it's around the word magic. How, how do you relate to that word? And cause I, you know, I see a lot of the work that you do as very mystical, but also very magical. But I think the word magic has has a lot of connotations and history with it in itself. When you think about the work you do with past lives or karma or tarot, where does this word magic come in, in your opinion? It's magical that I have been asked to do this in service. Mm -hmm. I am just the tube it comes through. John Holland, a very well-known medium, taught us that. It's not you kids, you're just the tube. So magic is the emotion, the, the awe, the gratitude. But I'm not a witch. I don't cast spells. So, you know, magic for me is feeling, gratitude, awe in what I am asked to do, not herbs and pentacles and stuff like that. Now, that's valid for someone 
who loves those as working tools, not my wheelhouse. Magic as emotion really hits in the heart space. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, just speak because you brought up witches, you know, and we're talking about past lives here. I think a lot of us unconsciously, my, I think myself, I've started to delve into this in my past lives. Uh, we have a lot of persecution around that word, around that expression, around that out sharing our beautiful gifts. And if you're listening to this and it triggers you a little bit with that word, or maybe even the emotional piece that Corby just added in, look into that, right? That might be a, your little breadcrumb of how to release some of your gifts. And I guess that's a question I want to add to now, my friend, and get your perspective on when we, when we do past lives and we go back and start healing, have you noticed that? So let's say, let's use my example. Let's say I, I have a past life in the Salem witch trials and I was persecuted for the, uh, the, the being that I was and the acts that I was, I was presenting with the world. And there's a lot of fear and abandonment and rejection around this event. Have you noticed that when people start to heal these events, not only do they, you know, feel more empowered, but it also unlocks more of their spiritual abilities, like their clear senses and things like that. Have you noticed any yes, of those sort of instances? I, and I always remind people, you don't need revenge. You don't need to be angry. That was a part your soul chose to play. Mm -hmm. You know? Big one. Um, your mother doesn't get mad if in the second grade play you are cast as the big bad wolf because you're not. You're That's just a part you're playing. Um, so... You never know whether what happened to you was something that had to trigger learning in the person that did it to you. Yes. A perfect example. I have a client who, born Jewish, never really got into the religion, always confused by it, didn't make any sense to him. But when we did past lives, we found out that he had been a German in World War I. Mm. Wonderful, loyal, great pilot, loved by his fiance and his family, but anti-Semitic as all get out. Because mm. that's what they were taught. So the soul, rather than punish, said, well, let's put the shoe on the other foot. This is unbalanced energy. See what it's like from the inside. So when he understood that, he didn't feel guilty about what he had done before. He wasn't angry anymore with his Jewish family. It, the parts slipped together. Like when you finally get that last piece in a jigsaw puzzle and you see the whole picture. Yeah. So I've, I love that, that uh, example. And I'd highly recommend if people uh, want to look into this past life, element and you know this balancing of the karma that Corby just beautifully highlighted look into Michael Newton's work and the Newton Institute there's a lot of examples much like the one that Corby just gave but it shows that and I maybe want to get your opinion on this you know it shows that we live in my opinion the reason I call this the cosmic love antenna this podcast is that I think love is the foundational energy of the universe but it is not just normal you know I don't want to say average but standard love 
it is unconditional love. It is unconditional love with no judgment. And when you look at those situations that you just outlined, there is no judgment there. There is from a karma perspective, there's just balanced or unbalanced, but it's us that puts the judgment on it. It's us that puts the separation. It's us that puts the fear. It's us that puts the resistance. So if you're looking back at one of these past lives and that is there, ask yourself, okay, what am I doing to hold this? Does this, does that resonate, my friend? What I say is there's unconditional love and there is transactional love. And that's what we do here. Yeah. How many times have we heard in our lives, if you loved me, you would blah, blah, blah. No, if you love me, you love me. I may consider it a kindness if you do blah, blah, blah. But it's not, you don't love me if you don't do what I tell you I need. People need to make that big difference. And I think what I would say to that is, it's okay if unconditional love comes through that. Like many of us learn, I would call what you just said, conditional loving. It's the same sort of thing. Many of us learn to unconditionally love through conditional loving, right? You think about being an adolescent when we're trying to work out who we're attracted to, what we like, what we don't like. We get into that beautiful relationship because we work out what our preferences are and then we transition into it. So again, if you're listening to this and you're noticing yourself in that state, Ask, don't put judgment on yourself. Ask, okay, how can I expand into more here from this? Corby, I have a question for you, and it's connected to something that you have on your beautiful profile that I'm really interested about. And I have a feeling it's <laughs> connected to what we're all talking about here. You have a, a statement that is that says, think like a Martian. Think like a <laughs> think like a Martian. And I'm wondering if you could break this down, what this means and how this connects to what we're talking about here today. Of course, this is how you learn to be non-judgmental. If you and I were sitting together, Harrison, and there was water coming out of your eyes, I might say to you, why are you crying? But I could be wrong. Little Bleegok the Martian is assigned to come down and look at Earth and he's never been here at all. So he jumps out of his little spaceship and he toddles over to you and he's just so thrilled and he looks at you and goes, why is there water coming from your eyes? Now, he would probably get a more accurate answer than I would because maybe there's an emotional basis, which was my assumption, or maybe your contact lenses are bugging you, or maybe you have allergies. When we open ourselves up and we're okay with whatever the answer is, we learn so much more. And my favorite story on this, yes, I'm a storyteller. Um, there was a man, he was married with a, with a child. He was in a bad car accident. They put his face back together, but it kind of looked like bad spin art. He was very embarrassed. He always kind of hid himself. Thought everyone thinks I'm ugly, but he was still married with his child. He's putting the child to bed one night and she grabs his face and smushes it next to hers. And she says, this would be a great picture, but it would be better if mommy's face were in the picture. Now, old him would have thought, even my daughter thinks I'm hideous. And that would be PTSD for the rest of his life. He had learned to think like a Martian. So he simply asked, why would it be a better picture if mommy's face were in the picture? And she looks at him and says, because mommy can't hold the camera still and you take good pictures. One question, saved decades of pain and just showed that his daughter still sees him as daddy. He's just a better photographer. 
That's why living like a Martian detective, what you see as things come up in past lives, you will not judge. You will not say, God, I must have been awful. Why am I such an awful soul that I had to do this? You'll step back and you'll learn from it and accept that it's one life, one learning, part of hundreds that your soul has done. It, uh, it's interesting. We've, we've hit on that a little bit today. When you gave the image again through the story of the, the, the deity looking at the village, right? It's the same sort of thing. It's we're detaching. We're detaching from all of our, I would, so what came up with me as you were sharing, it's really the difference between an expectation versus an intention, right? An expectation is I'm going to do A plus B and it's going to equal C. If it doesn't equal C, then I must, I've got it wrong. I must be less than, I must have failed versus an intention is A plus B equals X, meaning that it's an open-ended, right? I'm going to trust that whatever answer is going to come is for my highest good, even if it's not what I expected it to be. And I, I think we all unintentionally live our lives like this, right? We live in a very narrow, <laughs> narrow framework of reality. And unconsciously what we're doing is that when we're pushing out the unexpected, right? We don't, we only know what we know. We don't know what we don't know. And especially within this spiritual conversation that we're having today around past lives and the tarot and karma, you know, I, I don't know if you've experienced this, my friend, but the more I learn about these topics, the more I realize I don't know anything. Of course. <laughs> um, anyone who thinks you're going to get it all learned in this life, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn, as we say in New York. Ain't going to happen. Okay. Um, Accept that you're not going to know everything, except that nobody died and made you God, even of your own little kingdom. It is self-expression, self-exploration is important, very important. But we have to also remember not to force it on other people, which when you're doing this work, you're so excited, you want to share it with everybody. Sometimes the old saying, to know, to dare, to will, and to keep silent is also correct because if you share it and then other people are in Neverland, no, that's not true. That's not what I understand. That would never happen. That's going to chip away at your knowing. Yeah. And there was no need. Yeah. There was no need. I'm really enjoying this conversation, my friend. And I, and I am so privileged and grateful that I get to start my day with it being like you. We, I want to sort of go a bit deeper here now. And we started this conversation before we started recording, talking about collective events. And I want to get your opinion on something and share it with everyone listening. A lot of my audience, there's a lot of beautiful star seeds, a lot of beautiful indigo children, a lot of healers that are in this world here for a purpose and a reason. And I'm wondering if you could share your opinions, my friend, you know, we've just got out of the pandemic there's still going uh, still going on in many way we have stuff in the ukraine we have you know at the time of this recording we've just had the certain laws become unpassed in the us a lot of collective sadness and and trauma that is going on and i'm wondering what would you say to all the people all the humans the souls within the human experience that are here on this planet right now what would you say to them to sort of maybe inspire doing this kind of work or maybe just 
sort of leaning more into their love as part of a collective unit. Okay. What comes I'll up? use it from the United States perspective. Yeah. Okay. Look, it is as bad as they say in all of the totalitarian, Christo-fascist, horrible screens. Trump may get away scot-free and his cronies as well. We will be fighting the war against the Christo fascists and the storm Trumpers for many years to come. And we may even lose for a while and they get to rule in the dark and the bonfires. But this is not forever. The Third Reich was not forever. The American Confederacy and its aftermath was not forever. The Great Depression was not forever. But in the midst of it all, it may feel like it's going to be. I think the key for all of us is to accept that the world we're in, we're going to be fighting with for the rest of our lives. This is not a fight won in months or a couple of years, but that is why we are here. Mm. Okay. I knew when I was 13 in 1968, that if I had kids, they wouldn't have a natural lifespan. He cut short. I just knew it. And this is before I knew anything about being psychic or anything. But that told me I never wanted to have children and I have stuck with it and I have no regrets. This soul tends to come in at the end of things, usually on the losing side. Yorkist in the Wars of the Roses, the Lancastrians won. German in World War I, the Allies won. And now, but the reason that I think I was clear on it is because I volunteered to come and hold a candle in the dark. I would love to emigrate, but it takes a lot of liquid cash, which my husband and I don't have. We're in our late 60s. Most places would find we would just be a drag on them. You know, we wouldn't be there to do work. So effectively, we are trapped here. But I remind myself that somebody has to feed people when they're hungry, help them when they're sick, help them go into the final dark with ease, and remember what we are at our best. Mm. So for everyone who's a light worker, that does not mean everything's going to be lovely. You know, little dancing raccoon and her guide Arctic bear will make it all better. If you think that you're on drugs, but this, this is the magic. You want magic? What we will do is magic. Holding the dark at bay, magic. Um, And it will be very important for you, every single person who is a light worker, proto light worker, maybe light worker. It's going to get scary, my darlings. It really is. But number one, remember, this is one incarnation among many. Number two, the Earth is the smallest dust speck in one galaxy, and there are so many other galaxies. We're a lot of nothing. But the soul is what learns, what heals, what moves on. And your soul has decided you're going to be one of the triage people down here for now. 
treasure it, honor it, honor your own feelings. You are not going to be brave every day, but you're not here by mistake. You are not here by mistake. We will be needed. That's why you're here. It's like, Kobe, thank you for sharing your beautiful perspective and experience and love with all of that. A few things bubbled up. You know, this is why I really encourage people that do this kind of work, whether it's through regressions, whether you're talking about connecting to your starseed origins, whether it's any kind of deep dive into your soul's journey, always come back to this present moment and ask this thing that I've just learned or remembered or awakened, how can I use it now? Right. How can I use it? This is, a, I think, a, a question that a lot of people overlook myself for a long time. Like we, we spoke about this at the start of the chat. We can have the fun of the experience, but what really puts the foot onto the pedal and gets things moving is thinking about why. Right. And, you know, I've only, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young man comparatively to the beautiful life that you've experienced, my friends, but I can still see from all the things that you just expressed how parts of my soul in this moment are here to be of service. And when I connect into that, just to give a bit of education here, you know, we have different kinds of energy bodies, right? We have our physical energy body, we have our mental, emotional, right? People can understand this. But what we often overlook is that we have an angelic energy body, right? We have a part of us that is of service, right? There is a part of us that connects in to service at a very fundamental level, what we see in that service is that the, the thing that we can become it's when we are of service at best is not when we are always looking outside. It is when we are being of service to ourselves and then spread outwards. Right. So take what Corby beautifully just highlighted, right. And what we've been talking about here today and ask yourself one, not just how can I be of service to the world, right. But how can I bring balance to being of service to myself and then step out right? Bring that light to everyone that's around you. Does that resonate, my friend? It does. It does. As long as you don't mistake ego yes. for self-care. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I remind people, look, right now we still have a few normal days. Treasure them. It doesn't mean you shouldn't go out to dinner. It doesn't mean that you can't laugh. Yeah. But be ready to let that go when you're needed elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. It's a big one. Corby, I have one more question I want to ask you before we finish the show, but before we get to that, I want to give you the opportunity now to share a little bit of your magic with us, a bit of your practices. I, before we started recording, I shared with you that I would love to, you know, have an experience maybe with your Oracle or connecting to past lives, whatever you feel comfortable sharing just so people can tune in. If they haven't tuned into your energy thus far with everything you've shared, maybe you can give us some practical uh, experience here with what you want to share with the audience. What comes up? Well, am I working with you or if you would am like I just... to, if you would like right. to, I'll, I'll be there. And I'll stand in as the audience. You're going to be my guinea pig. Okay. Yep. That's it. So what I want from you, Harrison, is either an obsession yep. or phobia. Yep. Place you either love or hate that makes no sense. Like I'm Scots Irish. Why do I have this thing about Peru? And there may be a little dead air for a bit while I go upstairs and grab things. But I want to see if I can pull 
the relevant past life information for you. It's not going to be a 15 minute detailed oh, good. explanation, yeah. but let me see if I can get, get in. So an obsession or a phobia or a place for you. Okay. Uh, I would say an obsession that comes up straight away is, and this is something I'm trying to balance at the moment, but I would say work. <laughs> work is a okay. obsession that can sometimes become very unbalanced in my life. You're, you're obsessed with the work that you do. Uh, yes. I would work. Yeah. Okay. As yes. opposed to just being a workaholic. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, first thing that I see for you is some kind of a wagon. This looks 19th century. And you're one of the, remember in the 19th century, medicine was moving forward quite a bit, you know, understanding germs and finding, you know, digitalis comes from Fox Club, things like that. And what I'm seeing is that you were traveling UK, Ireland, somewhere around there. Mm. And you were trying to get people away from the superstitious stuff. You were trying to get people away from assuming that they had no power over illness. Mm. And interestingly, I see where you were inspired. And that was from the person in London during the time of Queen Victoria who figured out that cholera was coming from one particular well that people were drinking from. And so that's, you had a relentless curiosity about what's the story behind the story for that. And so if you found an herb that worked, you didn't just play, you know, I'm an herbalist. You wanted to know the scientific properties. You wanted to bring it across with the scientific properties. The way you love the beyond scientific now, that's how your passion for the scientific then, because there's a saying now, mm -hmm. science is just magic that works. And that's true. And so you were... <clears throat> It, 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 you could not, every baby that you saved because you taught the mother something about how better to take care of it, every congestive heart failure person that you brought back almost from the dead with your concoctions, th these were miracles to you. You didn't say, oh, look what I did. You understood that it was something bigger than you. But you were... I'm, I'm trying to look, zealot is not the right word. Evangelism is not the right word because it wasn't religion unless it was the religion of science for you. And you died on the road. You know, you just, you parked your wagon one night and went to sleep aneurysm in the brain. You didn't wake up. It was an easy death. But what I would say is whatever your soul says, I have to do this lifetime, you always give it 200%. And this time you have to be careful. It doesn't burn you out. 
because that's what happened then. You just burned out from all the work. Remember that these bodies are frail, limited. And the work that we know we can do when we're out of the body, we have to temper it down. Okay. So that's what I'm seeing for you. Does that make any sense to you? Profoundly, my friend. Uh, so first of all, I've had, um, I've had regressions and connections from other colleagues back to that Irish uh, past life before. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't had as much of a detailed breakdown as what you just gave. So thank you for that. Secondly, I think if people are listening <laughs> to this, who have heard my voice or have listened to these episodes, <laughs> that, that desire inside of me of really, you know, not just helping people, but getting to the root of the things and then spreading that, that truth and that understanding to help definitely. <laughs> I mean, it's why this podcast exists, but that, tr- that um, understanding at the end that you just shared of, of burnouts and balancing this, balancing this beautiful expression and this desire to help and support, but also with the physical needs and the physical body right now in this week is definitely on my heart. So thank you for the affirmation. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to sit with it a little bit longer actually after the show and reflect on it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I, it was a good example of you tapping straight into your channel. I could see you do that just then you just sort of opened up and it, came in yeah. Yeah, it's, it. you know it's like you can go to the gym once every two weeks and do five pounds of the barbell or you can go every day and lift 100 and yeah. I, I six days a week 14 hours a day so it's easy yeah it's a i'm i'm very envious my friend I'm, that's the what i'm working on so i can't wait to have that within me that i can sort of tune into corby uh i love you very much thank you for spending time with me today before i get to my last question here i want to give people now the opportunity that if they've loved your, your expression, your experiences, your perspectives, the work that you do in the world, where would you like to direct them to any books, any courses, any programs? What comes up, my friend? Oh, Harrison, they can't avoid me. They really can't. I'm all over. I agree. Um, my website is corbymidlight.com. You can find articles I've written on Medium, uh, YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon. Um, the three books I have are clean out your life closet, which is actually self-help clarity, adaptability, simplicity, and making friends with stress, the psychic yellow brick road, how to find the real wizards and avoid the flying monkeys. That one is how to find a good intuitive counselor and how to work well with the information. And the last one, if my darlings, you're crazy enough to want to join us in the caravan, the book is you've got the magic who needs a genie. And that is everything I learned from 18 years of being on the road doing psychic fairs and expos 45 weekends a year when my nickname was the Travel Channel. All there. <laughs> that nickname is, uh, it suits you. Putting it very, <laughs> without going off into a whole other thing, the Travel Channel, I love it. I love that. Have you taken, have you dropped that moniker since or that's still something that follows you, my friend? Um, you know, it's, it's a giggle. It's a giggle, but since I'm no longer doing the traveling, I'm working from home. Um, it's, it's one of those titles that you hang on the wall, like your high school diploma, you know, I was there, but I'm not there now. I love it. I love it. Corby, 
the last question here I want to ask you before I let you go is, you know, I alluded to it before the theme of this podcast is really helping people pull back the layers, restricting health alignment, and most of all love. And I see love as the energy that runs the universe, divinity, God, whatever your name is for it. And I'm wondering, cause we are all beautiful, unique expressions as the souls that we are. What is, what's your definition of that love word from your, from your perspective? I guess I have to go back to compassion, compassion for yourself, compassion for the world, compassion for this crazy path we're on. Compassion, the difference between pity and compassion, pity is, oh, that's such a shame about them. And you go on about your life. Compassion is the recognition. I could be you. And therefore you reach out healing. Another is healing yourself. The beautiful mirror of love. Corby, thank you for spending time with me today. I love you very much. I'm so, I'm so excited and passionate about all the work that you're doing in the world. Beautiful listeners, thank you for tuning in. I hope you got some value, got some insight, got some deeper reflections on all things tarot, karma, and past lives. Remember, if you did, you can share this episode out to someone that you love very much. But until next time here on the show, have a wonderful evening, morning, and night wherever you are in the world, and we'll see you very soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow Harrison on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at Harrison Ma. That's Harrison, M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.